Genesis chapter 21. This is the perfect way for us to start this relationship. All right, so just, just a reminder of where we have been in Abraham's life. You had this guy who was called away from his family and everything to take all of his family and all that he had and just leave his home and go find a place where God would show him. No clues as to where that was going to be. No, no specific things. Just start walking and I'll tell you when you get there. And you have this guy, and, he, and he's walking along, and God says, here is the place that I'm going to establish your family, and I'm going to make you a home, and I'm going to make you, make you a great nation. And he makes the, all these huge promises. Look to the stars in the heavens and see all the amazing, the amazing descendants that are going to come from you. You're not just going to be a family. You're going to be a father of nations, and kings will come from you. And all of these promises that God had made. But, but all, in all of that, he, he left Abraham to kind of wait and see what it is that he's going to have done, what he, how it was that he's going to do it. And over time, just like we often do, Abraham grew impatient, and he tried to find alternate solutions, ways to kind of help God out. Maybe it was, oh, my wife is 90. I can't have a kid with her, so I'm going to have a kid with this servant of hers. And, and, and all of these, these things that we've been looking at over and over and over again for the past several weeks, we just continue to see God say, no, that's not how we're going to fix this. I'm going to work this out exactly as I have promised. I am going to continue to demonstrate my ability to accomplish my will, to complete my promises, to continue to be faithful to the things that I say. And I think that that word, that word faithful, uh, we were just thinking about the Lord our God is ever faithful, never changing through the ages. Like, like we, we sing those words not just because they're true of him, but because those are words that are hard for us to remember Sometimes Those are words that are hard for us to remind ourselves of. So we put them in songs. We read them in the Bible so that we can continue to see that God is faithful, that he continues to answer prayers. He continues to answer things that he has said he will accomplish in many different ways. Maybe it's not always the ways that we see it, but if he says he's going to do something specifically, he is going to accomplish the things that he says in the way that he says that he will accomplish them. In Genesis chapter 21, we're going to finally see the fulfillment of one of those promises, right? Because, because God said, no, 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 don't go, don't go try to fix my promise. Don't go try to have a child with somebody else just because that seems easier. No, you're going to have, and he said, he said to Abraham and to Sarah a year before this point, he said, in a year, I'm going to come back and you are going to have a son. And what was her response? She laughed. That's hilarious. I'm 90 years old. Abraham's 100 years old. How is this even going to be possible? That just seems like it's not, it's not even worth considering. But then we get to chapter 21. And we're going to read these first seven verses. It says, The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. I, I love that it just starts us out right there. As he had said. And the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. Like just that verse right there. Let's just, let's just hold on that verse for just a second. Just think about what those words, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said and did to Sarah as he had promised. It, 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 it's putting, if you haven't seen it yet, if you are missing the point, the author of Genesis is looking at you and saying, God said this and he did it. God promised this and he's answering it. God is demonstrating his faithfulness in this moment. In what way? Verse two. 
And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Again, we're just adding on. God had said this was when this was going to happen, and here it is now. Verse 3, Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight years old, and God, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. <clears throat> so the first thing, and, and I think every single one of these verses continues to kind of reiterate this point. That God said he would do, here he's doing it. That God promised, here's the fulfillment. He said it would be through, through Sarah, and here it is. We're seeing all of these reminders that God is saying, look at me, look, I want you to see this. And, and sometimes I wonder if God's just like grabbing our cheeks and holding our gaze so that we can look him in the eye. And he says, when you are wondering if I'm actually going to follow through on the things that I say, here are seven verses of great examples of how God will follow through and be faithful on the things that he says he's going to do. God is faithful to accomplish the things that he says. There's point one, Nick. Got it? And we've said this before. We've been saying this for weeks because God keeps answering prayers. God keeps, God keeps coming through on things he says he's going to accomplish. But yet it keeps coming back up. Why does it keep coming back up? Because we, for some reason, do not like to accept this idea that God would be faithful to do the things he says he's going to do. We, for some reason, just struggle with believing that, no, when God says this, he really is consistently going to follow through on the things. And, and, and that could be for a myriad of reasons. One, it could be that we don't have faith. We don't know him. We don't have this, this, this understanding, this Holy Spirit living in us saying, no, really, this is the truth. That could be you. There are other reasons that we may not see his faithfulness. Maybe it's because all of our life has been filled with people who have failed us. And we've never known consistency. We've never known faithfulness. Every relationship that we've ever really experienced has broken down on us. And the thing that we need to see is, and if you look at even Abraham and Sarah, they've both gone through all these kind of interactions back and forth, and they keep continuing not to be faithful even to one another. Abraham says, go in, tell them you're my sister. We just talked about this last week, right? Go in, lie to these people to protect me. I'm, I'm choosing my safety over, over your holiness, Right? Again, he's not, he's not demonstrating his faithfulness in God and he's leading his wife into sin. But this is sometimes what we've experienced, that the people around us are not faithful, do not, do not believe in God, or, or the relationships that we build up and we think, this is the kind of relationship I'm looking for. I'm defined, and, and, and we define ourselves by those relationships. right? right? We, we, we feel invigorated by the relationships that we have. Some people... And I'm one of them. I like, I like to be around lots of people. If you've taken the personality test, Enneagram, and you are a seven, you're probably not because I'm one and we've realized that you can't have too many of us or nothing would get done. But I love to be around people. 
And it's really easy to define myself by the relationships that I have in my life and really find, find fulfillment in those. But if all that I know is, is relationship after relationship that, that breaks and falls apart and demonstrates its inability to remain faithful to the promises that it makes to me, that would beat me down. That would tear me down over time. And maybe that has been you. Maybe that has been your experience throughout life, that, that nothing has consistently demonstrated its faithfulness. You've ne- you, don't, you, you can't accept God's faithfulness because you don't understand faithfulness. That is a foreign concept to you, somebody that follows through something that, that is consistent with what its word is. But in these seven verses, God says it over and over again. He visited Sarah as he had said, as he had promised at the time of which God had spoken it to him. And then you get to verse 4. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight years old, as God had commanded him. So here is the first demonstration of Abraham seeing God's faithfulness played out. Right? God has come through. God did the thing he said he was going to do. Abraham's 100 years old. Sarah's 90 years old. This seems impossible. This seems like something that should not be happening, but yet this is what God said would happen, and now it has. And what's the first thing that Abraham does? He demonstrates his faith in God through the act that God called his people to use to demonstrate their faith in him. He follows through with circumcision. It's the same thing as if we were to baptize somebody today. He's saying, he's saying we're, 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 we're believing you, we're following you. Here's, here's a physical demonstration that I believe you are going to continue to be faithful to the promises that you've made because you've, you've answered this prayer so my son has now been circumcised to say, see, I'm raising my family in this way. This is, this is the direction that, that my household will now go. Abraham is, is, is demonstrating his faithfulness in God. But the question we have to ask, so, so what do we as the church do with this understanding of faithfulness? How, how are we supposed to use that? Go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. You have time because I don't have it marked. I lied to you. I did have it marked. I just forgot. Hebrews chapter 10. What do we do with this understanding that God is faithful? Chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 19. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confessions of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. There's a lot in here that we can kind of use to connect this to seeing God as faithful. The first thing that I want us to realize, and, and I already talked about, maybe, maybe part of the reason that you 
can't comprehend the faithfulness of God is because you don't have the Holy Spirit in you kind of helping you to see this faithfulness. That faithfulness hasn't, hasn't come alive in you yet. And what it's saying here, starting in verse 19, is it's talking about that, that we have confidence to enter the holy place because of the work of Jesus. Because of, because of the fulfillment of all the promises of God that we're studying in Genesis. All of, the, all of the names that we're going to continue to learn as we see Abraham have his son and Isaac have his son and God continue to be faithful in his promise through that line and God create this great nation. Again, we've been saying this for weeks. All of this culminates in Jesus, which is the actual solution to our brokenness and our sin. And so... And so what, what the author of Hebrews here is saying is that since we have confidence to enter the holy place because of Jesus, because of what the culmination of all those promises means to us, because we now can enter into the presence of God, because we now can be in his presence, because at the, at the completion of Jesus' work on the cross, we, studied, we read this in Mark just a couple weeks ago on Sunday night, when that curtain was torn, the whole thing that God was saying is now you can enter into my presence. We can be together. We can walk together. We can talk together. We can, we can share life together. We can, and we can do that confidently. What does God's faithfulness do for us? Point one was that, that God is faithful to accomplish the things that he says he's going to accomplish. Point two, you ready, Nick? Is that, is that God's faithfulness demonstrated in our lives should give us confidence in Him and in the way that we live our lives. We don't have to live our lives in fear. We can, we can approach Him confidently. It said in verse 23, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. Right? The more we recognize God's faithfulness, God's consistency, God's ability to accomplish all of these things that he says he's going to do in a, in, in a big picture throughout the world and in our lives as individuals, moment to moment, getting us through individual instances and conversations or just hard times or, or great times, all of these things, the, the, the more we recognize God's faithfulness, the more that allows us to be filled with hope and confidence in him the more confident we are that we can continue to move forward knowing Him. But what do we do with that? And that's where verse 24 comes in. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And here's the thing that I want, and here's kind of the point. We sing the songs that we sing, yes, because, and I said this earlier, yes, because they're true of God, but also because we need to hear these words over and over and over again, because we so inconsistently have experienced faithfulness throughout our lives and throughout our world. Like, there's not a whole lot of faithfulness and consistency that we can experience outside of the body of Christ and outside of the Word of God. So we sing these words, we read these words so that we can be reminded and encouraged of the things that God has said that he's going to do. And so, and so like it said, we're, we, should, we should work together to stir up love and good works within each other. 
That's why it's so important. That's why he says, not neglecting to meet together. Like, we have to be together on this so that we can continue to encourage each other and point each other toward the faithfulness of God. We have to be able to say, look at what God has done. Look at the things that he has accomplished. Look at what he's done in my life. Look at what he's done in your life. Sometimes we may not even see the amazing things that God has done in our own lives if it were not for the church looking and saying, wow, you were a completely different person six months ago or a year ago or five years ago or ten minutes ago. He's saying, don't, don't forget to get together. Some of you are starting to forget to be around each other and you need each other so that you can continue to encourage each other. Stir one another up. Remind each other of what Jesus has done in your life. Remind each other of the amazing things that God has promised and come through on. Read portions of Scripture like Genesis 21 where he says, God promised it and here's the answer. God said it and God did it. And this is what it looked like when that played out in these people's lives, when they saw what God had accomplished. Because, because here's the thing. I would hope that we as a church are not afraid to think that God can do big things. Would not be afraid to think that God can accomplish more than we could have ever imagined. Um, I mean, we've talked about it in community groups off and on, but, but, but God is working in our hearts, in some of our hearts, in, in some really specific ways, for ways that we as a church can minister to the society that we're in. And when you look at the kinds of challenges that the church is facing as a whole in our country, in the world, it is daunting and overwhelming. And it's really easy to forget that God can do these things. God can fix things. God can accomplish things through us. And we have to be around each other to continue to remind each other that this is true of him. And it has been true of him through us at various points in our lives. So think back to to Sarah in Genesis chapter 21. Somebody who had, who had had to lie to various dignitaries saying that she was her husband's sister so that they wouldn't kill him. She'd been put in these really uncomfortable situations. Um, she had been told that at the age of 90 years old she was going to have a baby, which again just seems crazy and unbelievable but yet God is faithful to her in this way. He, he, he gives her this child. He gives her this, this fulfillment of this promise. And, and here's kind of where I want to end. Um, because today's Mother's Day. And we all have different relationships with the idea of motherhood. We all have different relationships with kids. We all have different relationships with our moms. We all have... We all, this, can be, this can be felt in so many different ways. When I say it's Mother's Day, for some of you it's like, yeah, that's great. I like my mom. For some of you it's like, man, I hate this day. But here's the thing. Sarah's fulfillment was not in whether or not she had a son. Ultimately, what is at play is that God was faithful and that she can lean on him. She can trust him. 
Who, who, does Ephesians, who, does, sorry, Ephesians, who does Hebrews 10 say our confidence is in? It doesn't say our confidence is in an individual. Our confidence is in the work of God, which has been accomplished through Jesus on the cross. And so this is a day when we celebrate moms. And if you're a mom, solid work. It's hard, I know. There's lots of things that go on in there. But more than being defined by that one singular relationship that God has given you here on earth, in whatever way that looks in your life, I just want to encourage you to see the faithfulness of God in that. If that is a good thing, then let that remind you and encourage you of God's faithfulness. If that is a difficult situation, don't be defined by that relationship, but rather be defined by the relationship that is possible through the work of Jesus on the cross as he, as he pulls you out of whatever brokenness and relationship trauma you have been in in your past, and he gives you a new family in the church, a new body of believers that you can, you can build relationships with and be encouraged by. You can be stirred up together to love and good works. All of these things that we've been reading about, God can accomplish all of these things in your life. It is possible, but it only comes through belief and faith in Christ. And so my prayer this morning is that if you are in Christ, that you would, you would be confident in his faithfulness, that he would fill you with faith through the power of his Holy Spirit. And if you don't know Jesus, that you would hear this truth that he has accomplished all that must be accomplished to give you a new family, to give you a new set of hopes and aspirations, a new set of confidence in his faithfulness. So that if, if nothing else in your life is consistent, if no one else in your life is faithful, that you could see him as faithful. You can put your hope and your trust in him. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would be working in you to make that true of you. Let's pray.